Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. New Living Translation says, you can follow on the screen, it says, He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, or the harvest is ready, but the workers, the laborers are few, so pray. The harvest is ready, so pray. The harvest is ready, so pray. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of your harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I wanna, I wanna speak to you on the subject Labor Day. Labor Day. Um, what we, I kinda like this time of the year because there's a lot of uh, sports going on. Of course, some of you are probably aware that this week and last week and next week, or last week and this week is the U.S. Open uh, with tennis. And see, I was trying not to go there, so I will not. <laughs> and uh, and my, my point is, is that every game seems to have uh, parts to the game that make up the total of the game. So, uh, for example, though many of you don't like the game of baseball, most of us know that baseball, as they're heading into the most exciting time of the year in baseball, that is September and October, which is the playoffs, and the next month will be the World Series. And we know that there are a number of parts to a game in baseball, we call those what? Very good. This is a smart crew here. You must be from a church in Cambridge. Uh, and how many innings? Nine innings make up a game. Very good. Very good. And then you have the game of uh, basketball. And, and that doesn't start till next month, but most of us know that the game of basketball have how many parts? Four parts. And they're called uh, quarters. And, and then we have here uh, what most of you, I discovered that uh, two-thirds of our congregation was not born in the United States. And so I have to bring out, uh, this is the real football. Yeah, okay. We in America call it soccer so we don't get mixed up, but the rest of the world uh, calls it football. And, and we know that Soccer or football uh, is made up of how many parts? Two parts, okay, halves, and that makes up a whole game, very good. And then we have another game here that most of us know here in America. Yeah, the, uh, this is American football, and many of you know that one of the most uh, watched uh, games in the world, outside of the World Cup, of course, is the Super Bowl, and we know that American football is made up of how many pots? Four pots. Very good. And then there's a game that's probably foreign to 
most of you are from other countries, if I can find my little part here. Hmm. Ah. Okay, this is not a ball. It is called a puck. P-U-C-K. And those of you who are familiar with the game of hockey, uh, the game of hockey is made up of how many parts? Three parts, which are called periods. The game of hockey is made up of three parts. What do I say that? I say that because this year we have declared as our theme that the harvest is ready. And unfortunately for some of us, we're like, well, it's now fall and nothing has come yet. And just as they do not uh, decide who won or who lost the game after two periods in hockey, we are now beginning the third period of this year, September to December. And we know that that means that God has four more months to do through you and for you what he intends to do. Turn to somebody and say, the game's not over yet. Now, one of the blessings that I know about that is that, uh, believe it or not, we, we were pressing uh, from about the month of August 2012, uh, we were pressing to try to get this building, and all sorts of obstacles came up from uh, just a number of obstacles. But on watch night, December 31st, 2012, at, Chris, at New Year's Eve, that's when I got the answer that our offer was accepted for this building. And so my point is, is that it's not over until God says it's over. I'm trying to encourage you because God wants to do some marvelous things through our church and for our church. Labor Day is, for some of you who may not be familiar with the holiday of Labor Day, uh, it is a United States holiday or holy day or different day. It started in 1894. And it's a day that honors the contributions that workers have made to the strength and the prosperity and the laws and well-being of our society. But Labor Day weekend is, a, is an informal sad weekend. You may say, why is it an informal sad weekend? Because Labor Day marks the unofficial end of summer. It's quiet in here already. Sound like a funeral. Some of people like my. I see my summer being buried. Yes, it's it, just like just like summer unofficially starts on Memorial Day weekend. Labor Day unofficially starts the end of summer and a new season. 
I, I say that to remind us that as our theme is the harvest is ready, I want to remind us that we have five goals that we want to accomplish and we see God doing some wonderful things as we're moving uh, and traveling through those goals. And those of you first time guests, uh, uh, please understand that we have objectives at the beginning of the year that we push to. And one of the objectives is that we would consistently serve 500 people every Sunday. That, that 500 people will be coming through our doors every Sunday and, and God has been blessing us where, where that, where we're really, uh, uh, been reaching or, or touching that number from time to time. Obviously, this weekend, everybody seemed to, a lot of people wanted to get in their last summer bash. Uh, but the good news is, is that we'll be really back to normal by next weekend. And the point is, is that that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to serve. This is called Sunday morning. So this is not, you know, we have to get out of our mind that I'm coming to get my blessing. I am coming to be a blessing. And in being a blessing, I will receive my blessing. The second goal is that we want to complete the construction of the outside of this church. And so we're, we're really believing God for, uh, that we will complete the outside, including the siding. As you can tell that the window, the final big window is being done, praise God, and that will be done, uh, completed by Christmas. So God has been good in allowing us to, con to, uh, continue to do the work on this building. Then we want to create systems that support the healthy growth of children's ministry. That is going to be a major key to the growth of this church. Not simply, when I, mean, when I say children, not simply Sunday school, but we're talking about children, meaning if you're under the age of 18. And so for those of you we have a, who do not know, we have a youth ministry called Generation Chosen, and they're doing a wonderful, powerful work. Amen. It's hard working with teenagers. Lord have mercy. But I praise God for the group that works with our young, uh, our uh, youth ministry. Yeah, they need, they need to, they need to be encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, one of the parents, one of the parents will come to me and said, Bishop, GC rocks. And then I tell, you know, one of the young uh, people that, hey, I heard some good things about GC, and they're like, thank you for the encouragement. Um, sometimes the kids don't always give them the rah-rah, but we need to let them know that we're, we're grateful that we're, we're really ministering to children. And then, of course, uh, one of the things that we want to do, the third thing is that we want to be contagious in our pastoral care and our discipleship. Contagious. What I mean, I mean, I mean, I want, I want this to be a place that if you leave this church, you have to fight your way out. Okay. In other words, when, when, when there's two kinds of people there, I remember when, um, uh, Pastor Lydia and uh, Pastor Chris left PT because they moved down to Florida. And I remember uh, as we were praying, I don't know if you remember Reverend Karen, good to see you. We were praying over them and Pastor Lydia was bawling, 
bawling, bawling. Those of you who know Pastor Lydia, she can cry. I mean, she was bawling. And I remember uh, 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 Reverend Jeff Bonnison, he said, he said, you know why I joined this church? I want to go, why? And I said, why? He said, because I want to join a church that when people have to leave, they cry like that. And many of you know, every opportunity she gets, she comes back to Massachusetts. And, and so my point is, is that whether you are a member, partner of this church, or you are a first time guest, I want you, I want it to be that when you walk out the door, that at least three or four people are saying, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? To the point like, okay, let me go. Let me just get out of here. Because I don't know about you, but I've been in some churches where when you're a first time guest or you're a guest or people don't know you, uh, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. Nobody says hello. Nobody even acknowledges you. Have you ever been to one of those churches? I, I hope this, if it's this church, then we're going to work on it. But the point is, is that we want this to be, we want this church to be like that bar, uh, B-A-R, that drinking bar called, and I don't go to bars, but many of us know that drinking bar called Cheers. And Cheers, the television show. And help the, how about these young people don't know, who don't know it, but the theme of Cheers is don't you want to go where everybody knows your name? Amen. See, we have too many Berkeley people. Now people are going to start singing the song. Okay, look. This. But, but the point is, is that we, we want to, we want pastoral care, small groups to be contagious. We want community to be contagious. Because though I was raised here in Massachusetts, There's one thing I know about us people from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, particularly this Boston, Cambridge area, can be one of the most unfriendliest places on the planet. I know that. I know that. Because as Paul said, and once I was one of them. It always cracks me up when people from South move up here. Walking through Central say, how y'all doing? And be like, I don't know you. What you looking at me for? What you saying hello to me for? You know, I remember, uh, uh, oh, and, and don't, don't, talk, uh, don't talk about New York. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I remember uh, uh, when I was talking, when I was a young guy and going to New York and I remember you have to have your regular face. New Yorkers will know what I'm talking about. You have to have your regular face and then your subway face. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't, you know what I'm talking about, right? See, if you haven't, if you haven't been on a subway in New York, try it one time. Okay. I'm not talking about the suburbs. I'm talking about the city. And you have to have a look on your face that says, don't mess with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand that, and m many of you come into this this city. We we want to make sure, if nothing else, PT is an oasis 
of community, of, of friendship, what, no matter what color you are or what nationality or what ethnicity, we want this place to be a place of contagious care. Amen. And then finally, we are committed as a church to increasing our local and global outreach. That's why we're having the movie night this Saturday in Dana Park. That's why for the first time ever, I think it's the first time ever that we had our back to school reception, not in the church, but out in the park. We want to, we want people to experience a public display of the love of God. So when we, when we're out there, let's, let's be friendly. Okay, and let's not be schizophrenic, meaning that we're friendly out there, and then people are like, oh, I remember you from outside. Who are you? No, we want to make sure that we are friendly all the time. Turn to the person next to you and say, put on your friendly face. Put on your friendly face. Okay, I know some of you are saying, I don't need a friendly face right now. Put on a friendly face. We are committed to global outreach. And I want to just acknowledge one of our younger, I, I shouldn't say our young adults anymore because she's a, she's a woman. <laughs> but uh, Corinne was, Ray was one of the leaders of our Honduras team that went to Honduras. <laughs> and so I have a little gift card for you. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, it, uh, you can only take yourself out on that one. That, that <laughs> but we're committed to it. This year, uh, we had also two uh, teenagers, I think 13-year-olds, who went on a missions trip. So I'm really excited that we're not a church that just cares about us. You can't have a thing called restoring broken lives and just care about you. Now, we've been hearing this theme all year, the harvest is ready, the harvest is ready, the harvest is ready. But the question is, uh, why did Jesus say that the harvest is ready? And you have to read the verse before where it says this, when Jesus saw the crowds of people coming to him, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is a New Living Translation. Jesus had compassion on this group of people that he called the harvest, this group of people that, who needed the love of God. And he noticed that other translations say not simply confused and helpless, but the uh, amplified classic version says people were bewildered People were harassed. People were distressed. People were dejected. Dejected is a Latin word that means to thrown down. People felt helpless. The easy read version says he saw the crowds and that people were worried. The expanded Bible says people were hurting. People were discouraged. 
The Hoffman or Holman uh, Christian Standard Bible says people were weary and worn out. The voice translation says people were broken. People were broken. I'm almost guessing that probably three-fourths of this congregation was described by one of those words. That why you were singing our God is an awesome God. And why you were singing freedom. Some of you still sitting here feeling bewildered. Harassed. Distressed. Dejected. Helpless. Hurting. Discouraged. Weary. Worn out. Ah. Uh, Can we talk a little bit? I have some, I have a selfish reason for going through this series that we're going to be going through. And one of the selfish reasons is that I was feeling anxious, worried about just a lot of stuff. And, and I know that the Bible commands us, be anxious for nothing. And don't be worried. And of course, many of us uh, remember that classic song by uh, Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. See, and, and no matter how much you sang it, <laughs> you know what? I need to not mention any songs in this congregation. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that no matter how much you sang that song, you were still worrying? Right now, some of you are discouraged because you know that next week you start school and it's time to get harassed and worn out. And you, some of you right now, you're, you're already feeling anxious. Who's going to be my professor? Am I going to get the classes that I need to get? And there's a lot of stuff happening. And, I, and I've said to the Lord, God, this year has got to be different for Brian Green. Because if you're like me, you've learned how to hide your anxiety. Can I get a witness? You, you learn how to hide your discouragement. You've learned how to hide your frustration. You learn how to hide being worn out. You learn how to hide these things, but every once in a while, they seep out at unexpected times. Uh, my, my mentor, Bishop Ezra Williams, used to call them teabag Christians. The hotter the water, the real flavor is going to come out. I want to be the place where when the devil turns up the heat, more of Jesus comes out of me. When I gave my life to Jesus, I entered into this place called the kingdom of God, 
Are you with me? And and the Bible specifically says, I'm almost finished here, that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I had to really take a hard look at my life and say, I'm a bishop. I'm a pastor. I'm traveling to different parts of the world. This is my profession. And I had to come to the conclusion that I'm really, I really don't have joy. I have moments that I feel good. But <sighs> thank you. But but joy that makes me I meant move this thing. Joy that makes me watch this a thermostat instead of a thermometer. Someone that is that stops reacting to my environment and someone who changes the environment. And and either this Bible that we read is true or not true, where it says the joy of the Lord is supposed to be my strength. So I this this month I am selfishly trying to secure. What is the answer to this being worn out, to this being distressed and discouraged and, and feeling harassed and feeling worn out and waking up at 6 o'clock looking forward to Friday at 6 p.m.? That's not the way to live. Am I being real? Like waking up Monday saying I can hardly wait to the weekend. What? My God. Can I get a witness out there? Who wants to, who wants to live like that? Who wants to live like that? So the Lord said this is the answer to the crowd's problem. Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, most of us don't know what a yoke is, but I like the message and the Passion Translation says this. Instead of yoke, it says, Join your life with mine and walk and work with me. Mm. Join your life with mine and walk and work with me. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. What's your soul? Your soul is your mind and your emotions. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I remember I was talking to my mom, and she said, uh, a few years ago, she says, oh, when you're going on vacation, you're going to have a nice rest. And I said, no, not really, because how many of you have ever been on vacation, but you weren't on vacation? 
Okay. Okay. In other words, your body was on vacation, but your head was not. And and I said, I wish I could just take my head, put it in a locker, and just and but but your mind is just racing and racing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You just you're just racing and you're planning and you're trying to figure out things. And I, I said, God, there's got to be a way where I can really walk in the shalom of God, the peace of God. And he and he said to me, he said, Brian, you there's one answer. There is one answer for how you live an unharassed life, and it is you have got to learn how to enter into my rest. And so this month, we're going to journey on how to get to the place of God's rest. Because God's rest is not chilling out. God's rest, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, it says, the writer says, there's a, there's a place in God. And he says, he who has entered into God's rest has ceased from doing his own works just like God did. Mm. When, how many days are there in a week? I'm not, I'm not a deep preacher. How many days in a week? You better preach, child. Seven. How many days did it take God to create everything? Six. Now, if we were God, if we were God, we would create a six-day week. Because most of us would have said, all right, I, I created sun, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, I'm done. Let's start again with Sunday. But God creates this day this seventh day to just rest mm. which means that it is an important time so that you do not feel harassed let me go there for a minute and then we'll, we'll, we'll close this up Many of us will say, if I told you, do you believe in the command that you should, you should not worship any other God before God? Oh yeah, I don't believe in idols. Do you believe in, uh, do you, do you believe that adultery is a sin? Yeah. Do you believe that stealing is a sin? Yeah. Do you believe in the commandment of lying is a sin? Yeah. And yet, somehow, when it comes to the Sabbath, We have all these loopholes. And the Lord saying to me, then you wonder why you're stressed. Now, I'm not advocating that we all come seven-day Adventists. That's not what I'm saying. And there's nothing wrong with that religion, so I'm not 
disparaging. I'm just simply saying that that's not all that we, we all become Jewish. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there is a place that if we can get to that place, we can stop working so that God can go to work. Because here is, so I'm going to, by the grace of God, help us, turn your neighbor and say, he said us, help us to realize that the answer to our successful harvest, watch this, is not a lie that's called work harder. Some of you think if I work harder, if I study harder, if I skip going to church so that I can put in extra time to study, that that's the answer. That's a lie. It's a double lie. It's a lie positively and it's a lie negatively, but it's still a lie. What do you mean? The positive lie is this. When I was at Bentley University, I started skipping church to get good grades. And guess what? It was my best semester ever. <laughs> but the devil was just trying to suck me into thinking that I could skip out on worshiping God and get ahead in life. And then there's some of you in a negative life, meaning that you skip church and your grades are still jacked up. <laughs> Might as well go to church then. <laughs> but God says there's a place that we can get to. It's a place of rest. He what's rest? It is a place where you come into houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. And, and I believe he's going to bring us to such a place of rest that we have to be careful, like it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that you didn't do this on your own. That it is the Lord who's given you the power to get success. So my goal is to put an end to Labor Day. I'm not working anymore. We quit. I'm resigning. I'm turning my pink slip in. I'm not working anymore. I'm going to enter into his rest. And watch him go to work. And when he pulls it off, I like this deal. You do the work, and I give you the glory. <laughs> My final thing I want to say is looping back to the fact that and you're going to help me out here. You're going to help me preach this next part of my sermon. This is the last point. But our goal is to serve and to help, to serve 500 people and help 500 people serve. So we call this service, do we not? And 
our service must always be in the shape of the cross. Are you with me so far? So we spent a lot of time vertical service. We were worshiping. We were dancing. We were glorifying God. But church has also be, has to be vertical, horizontal, meaning that we serve each other. We bless each other. I'm going to tell on my mom, if you don't mind. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you got to love me anyways. <laughs> but you know what my mother enjoys almost as much as worshiping God? Okay? Is all, all you little grandchildren who, 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 have, who have elbowed me and my brother off of Mother Green's lap. <laughs> All these young people, it, 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 it restores her soul. I believe that sometimes she even comes out saying, you know what, I'm a little tired from, to worship the Lord, but I know that I'll be refreshed, not simply by God, but by others. That's why the worst thing you can do when you're feeling down is stay home from church. Because some of you, how many of you, and, and we're going to do something right now. How many of you, you came to church and you got a word from the Lord? You got a word from the Lord from somebody in the pews. Okay. That, that, that God will speak to you not simply from the pulpit, but from the pews. Some of you don't even know. You're a preacher. Someone will come home, break my heart. How was service? Oh, Bishop was all right. But, oh, I got a word. Oh, Beatrice gave me a word. Oh, my God, Denver preached to me. Really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to practice right now for two minutes. We're, we're, I'm putting in a new bylaw in the church. It's called the five-minute rule. The five-minute rule. Because if we're going to build community, and God bless you first-time guests, because, you know, as they come, and we sing the welcome song, and we, you know, we attack them like bees towards honey, and send them thank you cards, and then they're like, wow, this church is great. And they come back next week, and we're like, who are you? <laughs> and the third time is like, huh? Don't you remember you shook my head? I did? <laughs> so we're going to inject, starting today, the five-minute rule. Okay. Now, what's the five-minute rule? The five-minute rule is, and this is good practice, so by the time back to school Sunday, you'll really have it together, uh, 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 and, and we'll keep doing this. Five-minute rule is this, and that is uh, you must spend, particularly when you go down to the receptions, because we'll start the receptions again, you must spend five minutes talking to somebody who you don't know or you, who you don't know well first. Then you can talk to your little nasty friends. 
because you don't know your friends. Okay, I'll just talk to you for five minutes, and then next thing you know, you know, 3.30, Elder Troy is like, hey, look, you all need to go. So talk to somebody you don't know or don't know well first. And if you see somebody walking out and no one's talked to them, tackle them. No, not tackle them. <laughs> but say, hey, 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 hey. What's your name? Amen. Some of y'all are nervous already. <laughs> let me let me let me give you an illustration. Okay. How are you? You're a first time guest, right? How are you? Good, good to put, and I will ask her her name. I will ask her where she's from. I'll ask her her experiences. Look, believe it or not, you can milk five minutes, especially if you get somebody who really talks. Where are you from? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> oh, look, no. Oh, look. I'm gonna give you two minutes, <laughs> but we please don't do it that way. <laughs> so, so what I wanted to do now is two minutes. Someone who's near you or around you, I want you to just strike up a conversation. Ask them what their name is. Ask them. What brought them to PT? It's it's amazing how there's people I've seen here for years, and I'll ask them, "Hey, how did you come to PT? Or how did you two get married? Where'd you meet?" That it's it's amazing what you find out about people. And I know some of you are all nervous because you like your space. You know, you like your space. You're like, ooh, this is your ideal pew. <laughs> she even got a barrier here. <laughs> but we, but we can't, we we can't be one of those. Hey, okay? but briefly, but briefly, just you have you have permission to talk. For two minutes. Okay? Okay? Ready? On your mind? Get set? Go!
Wow, this is wonderful. Okay, one more minute. Thirty seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. One. All righty, folks. All righty. <laughs> well, Denver, I saw you talking to somebody. Do you know that person? Okay. Did you find out something new about her? Okay, good. Good, good, good. How many enjoyed that? Anybody enjoyed it? Okay, and so let let's become let's become a church that makes that creates a low bar for community. What do you mean? That people don't have to climb a barbed wire fence just to connect with us. That we are a place. where people can feel that when I come here, I'm going to receive something from the Lord directly, but also something from the Lord through my brother and through my sister. And if we do that, then we can become the place that brings about the type of healing of restored broken lives. Amen.